Our reading this morning is from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. It's good to have you with us. Uh, as we established last week that we are now in the epiphany season of the church, uh, church year, and this is a season of feasting and of celebration. An epiphany, as Sarah wonderfully taught last week, is a celebration specifically about the revelation of God incarnate as Jesus Christ. That I love how, how Rob service led today, that God looked on humanity in its brokenness, in its humble state, and he pursued us enough to take on flesh, becoming fully man while, while maintaining the fullness of his divinity in order to bring about redemption and restoration. Like God didn't see a broken people and want to stay distant, but he drew near coming from heaven to earth to be with us. To take, in, to take the broken towards healing, to lead the lost to find their home, to bring peace to the anxious, and ultimately to bring justice to an evil world. The, the Messiah, as foretold in scriptures, had come, and the, the Magi had a revelation of his miraculous birth, followed by the fullness of revelation found in Holy Scripture to find him and to offer him precious gifts and to offer him their worship. Uh, and and I, I loved what Sarah highlighted about the essential nature of Scripture and Revelation. And friends, I, I just want to exhort you in this epiphany season, give yourself fully to seek out a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ as our Messiah in Scripture, uh, as our Savior, as our Deliverer. And, and in God's providential planning, if we are seeking to know Him as Savior, don't be surprised when things come, come up in our life that require saving. That he is the one who will bring us peace. That he is the one who will make all things new. And so devote your time to him in this season in the word. Just as, as the scriptures explained and brought meaning to the revelation that the Magi found in the sky, we also, friends, need to look to scriptures to be reminded again and again and again of who the Lord Jesus is especially amid trial and amid pain and amid darkness. We need far more than psychological insights into who we are. We need more than to simply try harder. We need more than feel-good catchphrases and Christian cliches. We need more than self-help repetitive incantations. We need to see Jesus in his glory for who he is and to receive him and to put all of our lives into his hands. Friends, in seasons like this of pain and trial, it is not good enough to hear about Jesus. We need to know him and to see him and to come into his life. And the greatest revelation of Christ we will find in Scripture. 
The Magi had a hint of revelation in the sky, and they traveled across nations to find their Messiah, to find this Savior of Israel. Who is this Messiah? Who is this Jesus that they sought out and they found? Friends, who is he to you today? Is he someone that, that you would exert tremendous effort day in and day out to find? Is he a disappointment at this point in your journey? Does he feel distant? Have his stories become so familiar that they're inconsequential, that they don't change the reality of who we are day in and day out? And there, there is something to learn from the Magi in this season who had revelation when they went to scriptures, they found the Lord, and they found peace himself. They found peace embodied in a baby. They found the light which illuminates exceedingly greater than the star that they followed in the sky. And they gave themselves fully to him. Fully in time, in effort, in costly gifts, and in worship. Friends, I challenge you, in this day and age of media, it is very easy to spend a lot of time hearing about God from podcasts and sermon videos. Do not settle for someone else's words about Jesus. Pursue him and meet with him because he's available for you. And meet him again and again and again in the pages of Scripture. Friends, I want to read our text together. But let's pray first. Lord Jesus, would you open our eyes to see you today and our ears to hear you afresh. As it's told to us in Scripture that many saw you, but few recognized you. Let not that be true of us today or ever, that when we go to the Scriptures, that we would recognize you as Lord that you would penetrate our hearts and our minds and our lives afresh this morning, that we would see you and that we would hear you, and that our hearts would be a soft soil by which your seed can be planted. In your name, amen. Starting verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is Matthew's uh, account of the gospel in his first appearance of the adult Jesus. And, and as we know from our Advent series, we spent a couple weeks in John the Baptist, that John the Baptist is calling all of Israel to repentance. The kingdom of God was at hand. Just think about that. The kingdom of heaven is at hand and available in this moment, and it required a time of consecration and a time of preparation. Now, their hearts had to be prepared for the coming of the king. And so people in the, the surrounding areas are flocking to the wilderness to be baptized by John. And we find out that Jesus came all the way from Galilee, which is about 120 kilometers away from the Jordan. And you have to ask, why would someone without sin travel all that way to be baptized into a baptism of repentance? 
he who is without sin certainly does not need to repent. And when when you just take a quick look at this passage, it it doesn't make a ton of sense, which is exactly why in verse 14, John is, is preventing Jesus from being baptized. He's saying, I should be the one being baptized by you. And indeed, Jesus is, as John proclaimed, the the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So how could the Lamb of God who removes sin be baptized by a sinner? And in verse 15, Jesus answers that question. He says, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world came in a meek and a lowly way. He, He took off all honor to embrace the shameful and the shame-ridden, to associate fully with the humanity he came to save. Just as Rob said, he knows the sorrow of humanity. He knows the pain of humanity because he came from heaven, took on flesh to know the reality of human life. And he lived the perfect life to fully perfect the law and to fulfill all that Israel was called to be and that all that Israel couldn't do on their own. He was not baptized for his sake, but he was baptized for our sake to fulfill all righteousness for those who couldn't achieve righteousness on their own. And in living the the true and the full human experience, he did what was necessitated of all humanity, which is to enter into the waters of baptism. And there's a, a solidarity in John's calling in Jesus' mission. So Jesus says, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. John was calling the people to repentance in light of the arrival of the kingdom. And the kingdom of heaven is at hand in the person of Jesus. And the means by which we can access the very kingdom of God was through the gift of repentance. It's about turning away from the world and turning to the abundant life found in Christ Jesus, found in the kingdom. It is not just about thinking about how bad we are. That's not the message of repentance. The message of repentance is a complete turning away from one kingdom and a wholehearted, full embracing of another. So John's message is turn from the world and turn to God. And Christ says, I am God in flesh. Come and be with me. Indeed, the first words of Jesus, Jesus when he commences his ministry is repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom's here, so turn and enter fully into my kingdom. Enter into the Jordan. Enter into the waters of baptism. For Christ wasn't sanctified by the waters. He wasn't washed by those waters. Instead, in his baptism, he sanctifies all the waters of the earth so that all people who go into the waters of repentance are cleaned eternally. They're they're cleansed, they're purified for life. That every one of you who has dipped into the waters of baptism have been made into new creations. You are pure. You are holy. You are made new and set apart by the work of Jesus and nothing else. Let's go to verse 16. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. 
The heavens that were separated from earth by sin in the fall, heaven and earth came apart, were ripped open and came back to earth. Christ brought heaven and earth together. Heaven and earth united in the person of Jesus. Heaven and earth together as they were always meant to be. And in the Old Testament, whenever the the heavens are ripped open, it's a sign of revelation or a sign of deliverance. And at the baptism of Christ, friends, we see both revelation and deliverance. At this point, many many of the Israelites felt like God had been quiet. That it was the, the era where the prophets weren't speaking. God seemed distant from them. And at this moment, it was on display to all of creation that heaven is now here. And the Spirit descends on Christ as a dove, and it rests on him. Dove imagery is really important. When else do we see the sign of the dove? Noah's Ark. It reminds us of God's peace and God's reconciliation with sinful humanity. When Noah is on the ark and the the earth is covered with water, he lets loose the dove to see if there's new land. And the the dove comes back with the olive branch, a, a sign of peace, bringing hope of safety, bringing hope of a new world, a restored world, a new creation, a new era of life for humanity. Now, once again, centuries later, there is a sign of peace from God, and it is landing on Christ, our better ark. Christ that takes us into himself to bring us into a renewed land, to live eternally without the evils of this world, and to make us individually into new creations in him. The dove descending from heaven onto the better ark, Christ Jesus, is a dramatic sign of a messianic era and of his kingdom coming to earth and being relevant now and today and making an impact. The kingdom of the beloved son available to everyone on earth. And friends, God offers you that same peace today in the person of Jesus. He offers for you to bring all of your mess all of your sin, all of your addiction, all of your anger, all of your resentment, all of your pain and sorrow into him, into the better ark who will bring about peace, who will be your safe refuge. Friends, the the baptism of Jesus is good news for anxious hearts. It's good news for judgmental hearts. It's good news for addicted hearts. It's good news for those who suffer self-hatred and shame. It is peace for those who long for justice. And for those who are disappointed that God hasn't done what they want, when they expected it, it is the promise that his will will be done. Amen? And for those who are blind to their own sin... For those who are perpetually stuck in a prison of their own making, the gospel is good news for you. The baptism of Jesus is good news because it calls us to be enlightened by him. It calls us to be enlivened and sanctified and made new to be washed and to be cleansed by him. It means that everything you brought into church today doesn't have to stay with you because he has taken it on his cross. 
And it is a promise that everyone who comes to him through repentance will find him. And he models that for us in his baptism. That he who knew no sin was in the very waters of the Jordan. And he said, this is how you find me. Further, the, the original hearers of this would have heard Christ called the Son of God by the Father. And their hearts and their minds would have been drawn back to King David in Psalm 2. And to the promise that a Messiah, that a Savior would come for Israel in the line of David. And he would be exceedingly greater. He would bring about eternal deliverance. Psalm 2 is an enthronement psalm. And it was likely read at David's enthronement. And friends, what we see in this passage is the Father delighting over the anointed king of the cosmos. The anointed king over everything that we can see and experience. That he rules and he reigns and the peace of heaven rests on him and we are brought into him. The Father is declaring the sonship of Christ and the work of the Spirit coming to earth as a new age of deliverance is coming down from heaven and breaking forth and penetrating through every aspect of our lives, every bit of pain, every bit of sorrow. The messianic kingdom is there, and it changes us. Our Old Testament passage for the day in the lectionary is from Isaiah 42, and it has similar tones, and I want to read it because it's a description of the nature of the Messianic era. It says, Behold my servant, whom I will uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says the Lord, the, the, thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. Now friends, listen to the, the Christological nature of this. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind and to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. This servant of God in whom God delights will bring justice to the nations. He will ultimately right every wrong, and that is our Christian hope. That the pain and the sorrow that we find ourselves in today is not the final word. That he will come with justice and bring everything into the fullness of his kingdom. That we follow a king who leads his people into good places. And he's not going to get tired of doing that. 
He doesn't get discouraged by saving people over and over and over again. Your continual need for God is not taxing on him. It's who he is. He will guard you and he will keep you and through Christ will bring you into an eternal covenant. Opening eyes that are blind. Giving sight. Giving perception. Giving, giving perspective from heaven to the very things going on in our lives today. And bringing out the prisoners from their dungeons. From the prison, it says, those who sit in darkness will be brought into the illuminating light of God. And I, I love the, the mode in which they, they declare this messianic king is going to function. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. And he comes with gentleness, he comes with complete and utter tenderness, and he is accomplishing his deliverance and his justice in such a way that a bruised reed isn't going to be broken. He's not going to trample down on those in need. And if someone feels like a faintly burning wick, he's not going to put it out. Today, if you feel bro bruised, if your faith feels like it's barely lit, that the wick of your heart is almost out, the nature of Christ's salvation is not going to put that out. But he gently and tenderly comes to you and says, come into me who is your refuge. Come into me who is you, your peace and I will bring you healing. He isn't forcing that on anyone, which is important. That he came from heaven to earth, but the nature of his deliverance isn't that he's kicking doors down and making it happen for everyone. Instead, it's humbly on offer to anyone who will receive him, who will receive his kingdom. To all who accept his deliverance. In some ways, to, to those who are just so sick and tired of being in the dungeon of darkness that they go, I just need God's salvation. I need his illuminating light in my life. I need to, to join him in the waters. He who knew no sin entered into the waters of repentance. How much more should we then embrace him and embrace those waters and with everything we have, turn to him to receive him? The waters of repentance, the waters where we share in his death, knowing that if we share in his death, if we partake in his suffering, we will walk fully into his resurrected life. We will walk into his glory, that we will experience the reality of his spirit and the peace that comes from heaven for our souls. This was a call on that day to all of Israel who were in no place with no ability to save themselves. And it's a call for each of us today who are in no way able to save ourselves. There isn't a single one of us here who are in any way impressive enough or smart enough or capable enough to get out of the mess of this life on our own. To get out of the, the deep disappointment that plagues our hearts. The failure and the shame. And the, the question is, in those places... Is Christ the one that we turn to in our despair? Is Christ where we find our protection and our peace? Or do we look everywhere else but him? 
If so, if we turn to Christ, the promise of the gospel is that we will find fulfillment and we will find fruitfulness. If not, we will find further disillusionment, further despair, further disappointment. So it's a bit of a litmus test. Am I seeking Christ? And if so, do I find him? Or am I seeking something else, masquerading as a savior? Friends, Christ was the the fullness of the law, the fullness of righteousness. He was the fullness of Israel fulfilled in Christ. And friends, he promises in the gospel that you too can be fulfilled and restored in the person of Christ. And in him alone, not money, not trendiness, not sex, not marriage, not businesses, not calling, in Christ alone is fulfillment. And Christ ushered in a new era of peace and a new era of deliverance and a new era of revelation and it is available for you today and tomorrow and the day after because he is steadfast and he is true. But it's about more than simply just having a list of requests and obligations that we expect him to fulfill and if he fulfills them, we'll give him our hearts and our lives. But friends, the the skies are ripped open in that story over Christ. And that foreshadows the veil being torn at the cross where heaven and earth come together. That God is fully available to sinful humanity. That there is nothing that separates you from him and his goodness and his love. And nothing you can do will stop him from pursuing you. That through his blood and through the open side of his body, the ark, we can enter into the abundance of the kingdom. We can enter into all of the faithfulness and fruitfulness of heaven. And so when I say give him your heart and life, I mean that in a more significant way than just saying, yes, I've given my life to Christ and I follow him. But it is in a total way that everything about who we are, all of our thoughts and our ideas and our actions and our hopes and our dreams find meaning in Christ alone. And he's pursuing us. And if we turn to him and receive him, we will walk into that fruitfulness, into his faithfulness, into his peace amid our trials. As Father Rob let us meet him in those places, meet him in the places of torment. Don't avoid him in those places. He has allowed those places to be the catalyst to go, I need a savior to get me out of this dungeon, out of this hell that I live in day in and day out. Open, let him open the door of your dungeon. Let him open the door of your heart and give yourself fully to him. Enter into him, abide in him, and receive fully the kingdom and the life of the beloved son, friends. There is no greater news than the gospel of Jesus. The very brokenness and pain you find yourself in is not the final word. And he showed us that through repentance, we can receive him fully. Let's pray as Father Rob comes to the table. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would be with us today. As we meet you in the bread and the wine, would you open our eyes to you? Or would you grip our hearts? Lord, would you highlight in every heart 
and every mind the places of, of death and despair that you aim to breathe life into. Lord, you are the better ark. You are, in the person of Jesus, our safe refuge. And you will lead us into new creations. We ask, Lord, that your spirit would descend upon us, that the, the spirit of peace would come and enliven us and would illuminate us. And we ask, Lord, that you would set us free today. That you and you alone are our Savior. That there is nothing we can do on ourselves. So we humbly give our hearts and our lives to you afresh. We cannot conquer our evil. We cannot conquer our despair. But Lord, you can. And you are the final word. Come then, Lord. Be with us. Transform us. Enliven us. Let us see the, the reality of your kingdom. In your name, amen.